six minutes after the hour on the Around the House program. Happy New Year. Welcome to the program. We're glad you're with us here, and we'd love to hear from you. This is the, uh, we'll spend a couple hours on, on the uh, the show that talks about that special place that you and I call home, and we'd be delighted to kick things around with you. New year, new project, you know, that's that's something to think about. We can talk about something that you want to get done. Maybe a New Year's resolution is to uh, add a sunroom or put a deck on or just do something to maybe finish the basement. We can talk about that. There's a lot of pitfalls and tripwires to mix metaphors, and we can kick those things around, whatever's going on in your life that we want to share with us. I hope your holidays were good, and on we go to a new year, 2023. Glad you're with us here on the Around the House program. Here's an email from a friend of mine named Tess who, uh, uh, who sent this email called Gentle Thoughts for Today. I think you might appreciate these. Uh, just a few few things. I, some of these tickle me. I hope that's the case with you also. Gentle thoughts for today. Birds of a feather flock together and then poop on your car. You know that, right? A penny saved is a government oversight. The older you get, the tougher it is to lose weight because by then your body and your fat have gotten to be really good friends. The easiest way to find something lost around the house, and this has happened to me many times, is to buy a replacement. I'm sure it happens to you also. He who hesitates is probably right. I like that one. Did you ever notice the Roman numerals for 40 are XL? Uh Aha. The sole purpose of a child's middle name is so he can tell when he's really in trouble. Yeah, I've, I've... uh, that reminds me when I was a kid. Did you ever notice when you put the two words the and IRS together, it spells theirs? Yeah, I get it. Aging. Eventually, you'll reach a point when you stop lying about your age and start bragging about it. I'm not there quite yet. Some people try to turn back their odometers. Not me. I want people to know why I look this way. I've traveled a long way and some of the roads weren't even paved. When you are dissatisfied and would like to go back to your youth, think of algebra. How about that? You know you're getting old when everything either dries up or leaks. Ah, That's painful, huh? One of the many things no one tells you about aging is that it is such a nice change from being young. Ah, being young is beautiful, but being old is comfortable. Uh, Lord, let's see, here's a little prayer. Lord, keep your arm around my shoulder and your hand over my mouth. (laughs) Amen, yeah. I understand that. So I thought you might uh, enjoy those. 719 I didn't give the phone number, so let's do that now. 719-473-1240 is the telephone number if you want to chime in on the program today. And live email at aroundthehouse.com. Uh, and um, I'm looking at my aroundthehouse.com email link here on my new, got a new phone, iPhone 14. Uh, Verizon talked me into it because they had a super trade-in deal. I couldn't, I couldn't pass up my grandson, who's what is he? Twenty-one? Yeah, uh, tw- Andrew's twenty-one. He said, "I'd never thought I'd live to see the day when my grandpa had a better phone than me." So <laughs> I thought that was. So I know I've arrived with an iPhone fourteen. I'll tell. I, I hadn't had five G before. It is really blazing fast, particularly going through the internet searches and google and safari and all that so anyway i'm on new phone here a little bigger than what i had i really i really kind of like it so and i looked it up and this is an amazing thing 
I was just curious about this. I looked up the number of transistors in an iPhone 14 is somewhere around 14 or 15 billion transistors in an iPhone 14, and that's true with all phones. Isn't that an amazing number when you think about it? Remember transistor radios when I was a a teenager, there were three or four transistors in a in a little portable radio. We thought we were so cool with those, right? But 14, 15 billion transistors in a in a cell phone. You know, they talk about you seen the movie Apollo thirteen, which is a one of my favorite movies. You know that uh, command capsule had computers in it, uh, big old clunky, clumsy computers. And today's cars or iPhones have thousands of times more commuting a uh, computing power than than the Apollo thirteen module. So time marches on. Sometimes I think time. They say time marches on. Sometimes I think he puts on roller skates, but that's just just me, I guess. 719-473-1240. Oh, I, here's something I, I had to share with you because you guys want to chime in on this. I, I went. To, I, I use Amazon quite a bit, and I have no brief with Amazon. They provide good stuff and pretty good prices and so on. And so I do returns now and then. I I uh, you know buy, get something from them and I don't need it or I, I, it wasn't what I thought it was when I looked at the at the website. So what I do with my Amazon returns is I save those envelopes or boxes. I print out a label, I stick the thing in there, I tape the label on, I tape the package, and bring it into Kohl's and hand it to them. I was in a line last night at Kohl's at the Amazon return desk, and these people were coming in with these piles of rubble. And just they just drop it on the desk of uh, clothes and little puzzles and games and things with no no their cell phone of course they have a little QR code in their cell phone but I'm thinking if Amazon does a no questions asked return policy they're very good about it the least I can do is get a little tape put it in the package and seal it up and put the label on these people that come in with six or seven or eight items they just fl- Throw down on the desk and expect Amazon to do all the work. I just, uh, I just think they're being a little selfish. That's just me. When you get something from Amazon, you know, save that box or save that, save that envelope. You know, they sent a lot of these are in envelopes. Why not save those in case you want to do a return and make it easy on them? Because they do have a great return policy, which I tip my hat to. They, you know, they don't have to, but uh, but they do. So anyway, that's Amazon. That's my pet peeve of the day i promise there'll be no more pet peeves on the program let's see listen start with an email here this is from barbara i received a flyer in the mail offering to insure my outside water line for about five bucks a month what do you think of this deal well not too much water line troubles are very rare in almost uh, in virtually all cases the line from the city water main to your house is a continuous piece of copper or heavy-duty plastic tubing called PEX. P-E-X is the new plastic water pipe. It's all the way into the house, and by code, there can be no joints or any kind of fittings. It has to be one continuous line all the way into the house to avoid breakdown. That you, if, you, if, you, if you had a coupling where you had two pieces of pipe and there was a fitting underground, then, of course, that's one more place to leak. So well, it's, it's required by, by code to be one continuous piece of pipe. So it's unlikely to fail. Now, does it ever fail? Uh, I suppose, but it's very, very rare. I've never seen one, but 
Uh, but anyway, that's that's my my particular uh, store of anecdotes is not unlimited. But I would not. The five bucks a month doesn't sound like a lot. Sixty dollars a year. But if you think about it, this company, if they have a million people. Do, taking advantage of it, that's 60 million plus 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 so it's a good deal for them and occasionally they've got to dig up and replace a a water line so even though it doesn't sound like a lot i'd probably save my money now if they were offering to insure your sewer line which you can get insurance for your sewer line through your homeowners and their independent companies that will insure your sewer line in older houses that's the insurance you would want because older homes uh, of course uh, have old-fashioned sewer lines with joints you know cast iron or clay tile that have joints where roots can get in and all that modern sewer lines from the last 40 years or so are continuous pieces of glued together pvc plastic so there's almost no like no likelihood of of them failing although there are they can crack and they can shift or there's an underground shift of the soil but what i'm saying in an older home if you can get your sewer line insured for a reasonable amount of money maybe through your homeowner's insurance probably worth it but water line barbara i would not pay to insure the water line i just don't think it's a good even at five bucks a month i don't think it's worth uh it's worth it so that's a that's a good question thank you for that let's see 719-473-1240 we'll be back with more of these we have some great email i've saved up over the holidays we'll do that right after this on Around the House. Well, we've been through a spate of cold weather over the holidays in December, and there's more to come, as you know, for the next two and a half, three months or so, and your faithful garage door suffers during the cold weather. It's just the way things go. It's a hard season on your garage door, so don't get trapped at home some morning. Give the Above the Rest Garage Door people a call and join their premier membership program. Surprisingly inexpensive, I joined it, and that ensures your door will always be there for you when you need it. The membership program includes a complete tune-up every six months, including garage door inspection, lubrication, tightening nuts and bolts, adjusting things if they need to be adjusted and that way your door will always be operating as it was designed and safely by the way so give them a call at 719-499-0491 that's the above the rest garage door company if you join right now tell them you mentioned this commercial they'll waive the 150 trip fee for emergency trips so give them a call above the rest 719-499-0491 from your faucet to your furnace and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Hey, welcome back. It's 20 minutes after the hour on the Around the House program. And also, uh, the phone number, of course, is the preferable way to give us a get involved with the program. We have live email. Aroundthehouse.com is my website, and there's an email, Ken icons i think a second button from the left and i'll see your email right here in the studio so we either way but we prefer you checking on the telephone greg says when i turn on the outside water faucet i get a leak into the basement the faucet is freeze proof so what's going on is this easy to fix uh well freeze proof uh, uh, is uh, you know is in the eye of the beholder freeze proof a lot of times ain't freeze proof especially if you leave the hose connected what 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 makes an outside faucet freeze proof is that when you turn it off uh, totally off you'll see water dribble out of the out of the spout for 
oh, five or six seconds or so, that last little bit of water is what makes it freeze-proof. And because the the water, uh, the, uh, the, the faucet itself, uh, you can the part you see on the outside of your house is the is the handle and the spout. But there's about a 12 inch piece of pipe that you don't see inside, and that's the pipe that's uh, that the water dribbles out of when you turn it off. And so there's like a void of no water to freeze for about 12 inches from the faucet inside the house, unless you leave the hose connected. Now, if you if you leave a hose connected too long, maybe. The first freeze, you're on vacation or out of town, or you weren't aware that it was going to freeze overnight. Uh, if there's if if there's a faucet connected, that water may not have dribbled out when you turned it off, and there may be water all the way out to the f- surface of the of the wall of the house, and that's why these things usually freeze. That's uh, th- that's the almost always that's the case. You left a hose on, and you may not remember leaving the hose on. I mean, I've seen cases where. Uh, the hose is left on during the first freeze and then somebody goes oh gosh you left the hose on and then you unscrew it but the damage has already been done and you've described this greg pretty pretty uh pretty accurately that the faucet has split and frozen on the inside of the house you got to replace the whole thing and whether you have a you, you probably have a solder fitting on the end of this which is uh you know if you know how to solder a pipe it's fine uh it's tricky it's difficult especially if you have uh if the faucet is inside the basement ceiling you got to cut sheetrock and and all that so it's best left to a plumber so you don't set your house on fire now if you're fortunate enough to have a pex faucet in other words that plastic water line we talked about a few minutes ago it's a lot easier although you sometimes you may need a piece of professional uh equipment there to uh to cut that plastic pipe and then recrimp a new a new fitting on and so on so it's best left to a to a plumber uh most people listening to this program right now have a solder fitting because pex hasn't been around all that long so you that's probably what you have at your house but again if you know how to solder how to unsolder and solder a pipe you can do that but you go buy a you know the the whole faucet assembly at the hardware store or the home center. The trick, and I've done this at my house, and I've talked about this before, and not for a long time on the program. The secret with a free so-called freeze-proof outside faucet is to provide a little heat on the inside, and you, you do that. And this is if your basement's not finished, it doesn't matter because the faucet is exposed to the heated basement. But if you have a you have a drywalled ceiling and you you finished your basement there's a cavity up there you can picture particularly on the north side of the house if you've drywalled that ceiling wherever that faucet comes into the house is a cold air cavity and that cold air can get colder and colder and wind can blow in and leak in and that's where you get the freezing up of the so-called freeze-proof faucet so the secret there is to cut a hole in the basement ceiling to let some warm room air go up in there. And I've, as I say, I've done this at my house. I have two outside faucets. I've done it for both of them. You just cut a, a, a hole maybe uh, six inches by uh, ten inches or so uh, and, and to expose. you got to cut it in the right place. you got to know where that pipe comes into the house. But then you put a grill over it, get a, a white, uh, you know, kind of a, a heating grill, you know, at the home center. So it looks intentional. Looks, It'll look like a heating vent in your ceiling. But that way, a little warm room air will waft up in there, and you uh, have much less risk of having a, a frozen outside faucet. But that's a good question. Yeah, they, 
um, you just really need to beware of leaving those hoses on. When the fall season comes, you know, and that uh, early October kind of thing starts thinking about freeze-proofing things before that first frost uh, comes along, okay? 719-473-1240 is the contact line. I, I'm, may, may not have time to complete this, but uh, this is my time for my annual snowbird chit-chat here, and I do this every year. I might be a little bit late, a month late or so. Many people leave this time of year to go to Phoenix or Texas or maybe down in Mexico or someplace to a warmer climate, and I'm often asked what to do to get your house ready for uh, for an extended period of being a snowbird. And so I think maybe it's time to run through that. As I say, I may not get, uh, get to it uh, totally, and I can take a break and then come back and finish it up. The first thing, of course, is how hot do you leave the furnace? How warm is the thermostat set at? And uh, you you never, ever in any dwelling, cabin, whatever, whatever we're talking about here, you never want to totally turn the heat off because it's hard on non-plumbing. You know, you can blow the plumbing out and get the water out, of course, so you, you don't risk plumbing freeze-ups. But if, even if you do that, turning the heat totally off is hard on your electronics, appliances, microwaves, your furniture, wood floors, because things shrink at cold temperatures. And so I, I never want the thermostat when you go away to be below about 55 degrees. That's kind of a kind of a compromise. But you leave your thermostat at 55 degrees. We'll, I'll talk about the plumbing in a minute. But that way you know your house will be protected. The, uh, the As I say, the woodwork, furniture, uh, uh, and all the appliances and stereo gear, computers, and none, none of the electronic gear appliances don't like to be in super cold uh, temperatures. So 55 degrees on that thermostat. Uh, as far as the plumbing goes, you can turn the water totally off if you want, but that's okay. But you might want to have a neighbor come in and flush the toilets or water your house plants. If you have a bunch of house plants, you don't want to throw those away when you go away for a month uh, for you know snowbirding. So if you have a neighbor coming in, then you might want to leave the uh, the water turned on. Now, if you really want to be cautious about this and get your neighbor briefed on this situation, you can turn the main water shutoff downstairs totally off. But not drain the system. Just turn it off so if there is a freeze-up, then we don't have pressure in the system to cause a big flood. Okay, So if, if your neighbor is cool with that, they can come in, turn the main back on, water the plants, flush the toilets, and then turn it back off again. If, if you're not going to have a neighbor come in, then you want to prepare the plumbing yourself. And the way you do this is to evacuate the toilets first of all because if you leave water in there you're going to have a hard water ring when you come back and sewer gas will get in the house through a toilet with no water in it so what's a what's a good idea if you're going to leave and not have that neighbor come in you're just going to close the house down for a month or so is to get the water out of the toilets and it's not that hard to do you flush it uh, turn the water off uh, where it comes out of the wall you know that feeds the toilet tank flush it and then get a coffee can a t- piece of tupperware and maybe a car wash sponge to get all the water out of the bowl put it into a bucket and then stuff a king supers or or walmart bag in uh 
into the toilet hole to keep the sewer gas out although those are becoming scarcer and scarcer we're now in a regime with no plastic bags in walmart i'm gonna i want to talk about that a little later in the program but you stuff a piece of you know plastic bag in the hole to keep the sewer gas out then you can go over to the shower and put a piece of tupperware on that drain so that doesn't stink up the house close all the pop-up stoppers in the sinks turn the water totally off downstairs and then you can open a couple of faucets to let the uh, to let the pressure out of the system and then make sure you turn your water heater totally off including the pilot lift up the little ice maker lever for sure and uh, that's kind of what you need to do with the with the plumbing when you go when you go away uh, in terms of security you want to take a few precautions a lot of people like to unplug the garage door opener of course with modern openers and their digital codes that's not as big a deal as it used to as it used to be plug a couple plug a couple of lamps into timers make sure they go off at 11 o'clock at night or so because nothing gives away uh i'm not home than a lamp which burns all night so you you know you have a timer lamp timers in the master bedroom in the living room or whatever turn a talk radio station hopefully this one on loud so there's voices in the house uh, and I like motion detector outside lights because you don't need to leave the light burning while you're a snowbird. But if somebody comes near the house, they, they come on and they startle startle people. Leave your blinds open. The police like to be able to look in, your neighbors to look in and see what's going on inside the house. If you close your drapes and your blinds, although it may save a little energy, then you give burglars a free reign inside and they can come in and have a party and put their feet up or make a pizza, whatever they want to do with nobody looking in. So leave those blinds and drapes open to the so the, so folks can see in. So that's kind of it for being a snowbird. So there's really two paths here. One, you're going to have a neighbor come in and water the plants and flush the toilets. The second path is nobody's coming in, so you need to kind of freeze-proof the plumbing system. So that's about it. Remember, 55 degrees on that thermostat, no lower, because otherwise it's hard on your house. You want to p- treat your house with kid gloves or TLC, whatever you call it. So I thought you might appreciate that little snowbird essay. Let's take a break now. I'll be back with your phone calls and more of this week's email right after this, right here on Around the House. From your roof to your foundation and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Welcome back. It's 24 minutes before the, uh, let's say 23 minutes before the hour. Got to be more accurate there. Glad to have you with us here on the program. A shout out to our Wyoming listeners on KTWO up there in uh, in beautiful downtown Casper. 50,000 watt KTWO. They have a great signal, of course, to cover the state of Wyoming. Pretty much corner, corner to corner. You can get them as you come up. Uh, their signal starts to get pretty strong when you get up through Fort Collins, Loveland, that kind of thing. But they do have a nice strong signal uh, over most of Wyoming. We have a lot of friends in Casper. So hello up there in, in Casper on KTWO. Dave said, let's see, our phone number is 719-473-1240 is our telephone uh, number. And we're glad you're with us. We'd like to uh, make sure that uh, you, uh, if you have any issues with your house that you get in uh, get on the phone and uh and just give us a call we'd love to kick things around with you don't forget the aroundthehouse.com website if you have some issues that you want to talk to me about during the week send me an email i'll be glad to uh i'll be glad to 
set up an email dialogue with you. I'm pretty good about returning those emails, and uh, sometimes I get some back and forth going with listeners that uh, that uh, you know is very kind of healthy, and I learn stuff, and they learn stuff, and so. But try to keep it to a single subject. If you send me an email to aroundthehouse.com, I'll make sure that it's a single subject, and it's kind of uh, succinct and and to the point. Uh, if there's more than one thing bugging you, probably a second email would be would be better because it's easier for me to get my thoughts organized and reply to you with a single subject. So um, let's see here. Let's take a quick look at this email. This is from Dave. My patio door doesn't open smoothly anymore. Can I fix it myself? Well, yes and no. Patio doors are very heavy. They get used a lot, especially, of course, during the summertime. And the, the weight plus the constant use uh, usually uh, wax it out of adjustment. It's easy to put it. If it's simply an adjustment, you can do this yourself. Look at the patio door edgeways, and you'll see a small plastic plug at the bottom on each side. And that's if you pop those plugs off with a screwdriver or a jackknife or something, uh, it'll expose a Phillips head screw, and that's where you make the adjustment. Hopefully, this is all you need to do. Now, we'll do the easy thing first. If you, you get down on your hands and knees with your flashlight or your cell phone light or whatever, if you turn the screws counterclockwise, the little rollers will lower, which forces the door up. So get the idea. So uh, you want to do a half a turn each. Uh, do one and then the other because you want to do them evenly, a half on one side, half on the other, then a half and half and back and forth. And the door hopefully will be operating smoothly uh, in no time. But the main, what you want to do as you raise the door up, make sure it stays plumb. That is straight up and down. You might need a, you know, a spirit level to uh, to make sure the door is being raised evenly. Uh, and uh, you want to make sure that the door reveal is good. Now, a reveal that's a, that's a, a phrase that contractors use a lot. The reveal is. The space along the edge of the door with the door jam. You can. This is reveal is applies to all doors, inside bedroom doors, the swinging kind. The, your patio door is another one, of course. When it's almost closed, the reveal needs to be even. That is the the gap from the top of the door to the bottom needs to be totally uh, totally even. Uh, so as you raise the door up, turning those screws, you want to make sure that you uh, uh, that you do it a little bit at a time and do it evenly all the way up, and you need to put a little lubrication on your on your door. Uh, a silicone-based grease stick is a good idea. Teflon spray is good. I like Teflon spray. Apply it on the non-walking side of your door, the non-walking side, so you don't track the lubricant into the house. So adjust those screws a little bit at a time, and get to see if the door will start operating smoothly. Now, if this doesn't do the trick, it may be because the wheels are blown uh, and uh, need to be replaced. And that gets a little more daunting. you got to actually remove the door, turn it on its side, and replace the wheels and the springs and the parts under there. So that's a little more. I hope that's not the case with you, Dave. So if that is, send me another email. We can talk about that. Patio door parts, universal patio door parts, are fairly easy to find. Okay? Let's see. Line one. Oh, I'll be done. We had a call, and it was just gone? Okay. All right. Well, if, what's his name? PJ? PJ, if you want to call call, call back, if you uh, were ready to go with your call, if you want to give us a call back, 
is 719-473-1240. Probably a cell phone dropout, who knows, you know. So that comes with technology, right? Um, let's see here. What do we got? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Hank, let's see. Kent said, um, I noticed a couple of my friends have towels under their front doors to keep out the cold air. Aren't door bottoms adjustable? Yeah, they are. Uh, there's a usually a threshold strip. When you open the door, you look down at the threshold, and there's usually four big fat Phillips screws uh, that you can turn to raise and lower the threshold. And you might want to raise it a little bit, turn them to the left counterclockwise, and the threshold will come up just a little bit. Again, uh, like with a patio door, easy does it. Just a half a turn each. And then get down to your hands and knees with the door closed and look for daylight gaps under the door. And then raise it a little more and a little more until you close that gap up. So, that yeah, usually you can adjust those thresholds so they raise up and they're a little tighter on the bottom uh, of the door. And so um, uh, I hope that's uh, helpful to you. Uh, the main thing is you lose... You want to see no daylight under a door, and that's where the cold air comes in. You know, and uh, I'm a big fan of storm doors, and I don't know if you have one on your house uh, or not, Kent, but uh, a storm door really helps keep out the cold air. It makes a little airlock in between uh, that it just it really keeps the cold air out in the summer. Of course, you can remove the glass, and there's a screen there, so you can let the breeze come in. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I love storm doors. They really are very, very helpful because then your front door, the main front door, it doesn't have to be perfectly adjusted if you have, uh, if you have a good storm door on the outside. So it gives you a little leeway, but I'm a big fan of them. Get the low E glass. Low E glass, of course, is, reflects the sunlight, keeps the glare and the heat out of the house. So you want to get your storm door with low E glass, yeah, for sure. Uh, and and but yeah, uh, adjust your door. No daylight underneath. Make sure it's, it's it closes nice and evenly. And if you raise that threshold, as I just talked about, with those big fat Phillips screws, um, the door might start to rub a little bit. And again, you can put some lubricant on your finger and just there's a rubber there's a rubber bumper on the uh, a rubber gasket so to speak on the bottom of your door you can on your finger rub a little silicone grease stick on there or whatever you know whatever kind of grease you want just to make it open and close a little easier but if you don't have a storm door now it'll give you extra security of course because then you can leave the the main door open and the storm door uh, if it's locked provides security particularly in the summertime when you want to let some air in there so uh, yeah, I adjust the threshold for sure, and then uh, also uh, get yourself a storm door if you don't have one now. I'll bet the friends that you talked about that put towels under their front door don't have storm doors on the outside. So there you are. It's quarter till the hour. Take a break. We'll be right back with more of this week's emails and your phone calls right after this, right here on Around the House. Well, if you're taking a look at your natural gas bill lately, yeah, it ain't lower. I guarantee you that. It's just going to keep going up and up and up as all energy costs are. So I want you to call Dutch's Home Improvement because windows are really a huge heat waster at your house. Windows are nothing but big holes in the side of your house. And so if you have ugly old wood, steel, or aluminum windows from the bygone decades, you want to replace them with energy-efficient vinyl windows 
from Dutch's Home Improvement. They've been around over 30 years now. Gary has stood behind his work all that time because he believes in quality, has the best installers in town. They're fully licensed and insured. So Dutch's Home, you've heard of them before. I know you have because they've been around a while. They're the go-to contractors for new energy-efficient windows at your house. It'll give your house a needed facelift, plus you'll save energy summer and winter. 719-392-1369 or Dutch'sHomeImprovement.com. Call Dutch's 719-392-1369. Need help with your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Welcome back. 11 minutes before the hour. uh, Our caller that dropped off uh, PJ, cell phone issue or whatever it was, she wanted to talk about, I mentioned something about Amazon returns earlier. And one of my pet peeves is people are just being these great big piles of, uh, of, of things. They got gifts at Christmas, maybe that sort of thing. And, uh, they just dump them on the counter at, uh, at, uh, Kohl's. And the reason I mentioned Kohl's PJ misunderstood. I wasn't talking about stuff you bought at Kohl's. Kohl's is a return center for Amazon. Most Kohl's store have an Amazon desk in the back it's a sweet deal for Kohl's because you get to walk through the whole store on your way in and, you, you know, you see the sport coats or underwear or shoes or whatever, and you might stop and buy something. So Kohl's is very smart. But the Amazon returns, my pet peeve is go if you can, and most people can, package it up yourself. Get a little clear tape you know, on a roll and put it back in the, th- in the thing. You can you print out a label on your printer and slap the label on and just hand it to the guy or gal. And they, I, every time I do that, they really appreciate it because so many people just bring in piles of, of unwrapped and unpackaged stuff, packages of shirts and, and as I say, games and other things and just throw it on the counter. And then so Amazon has to wrap it up and package it and seal it and label it and so on. Uh, I just like to pay Amazon back a little bit because they're so no fuss no must no questions on returns so i do my part and try to package things up so if you get an amazon on your front step you might want to save that packaging for a few days and if you want to bring it back just steal it up yourself it just makes their life easier they're really nice people and they're uh coals you get a a a bone a little spiff like yesterday i brought a couple of things back and it was five dollars of coal cash k-o-h-l coal cash so you can go through the store and spend it and that's just it's win-win for both Kohl's and for amazon but my point was if you can print out a label wrap it up yourself package it yourself just hand it to them they they really appreciate it i can tell by the by the body language so that was my my point and it's not stuff i bought in Kohl's. it was returning it at the amazon desk in the Kohl's store okay 719-473-1240 i want i meant to talk about this because i mentioned it a few minutes ago plastic bags uh, the first of the year walmart quit carrying plastic bags uh, shopping bags in the store uh safeway and I, I assume king's does it now charges 10 cents for a plastic bag and now would somebody explain the logic to me if plastic bags are so bad for the environment then get rid of them but if you're if you'll give me a plastic bag for 10 cents how does the 10 cents cancel out how bad they are for the environment so it's we're back which is always throughout history follow the money it's a money deal i don't you know plastic bags 
Uh, you know, they go in landfills, which is where they came from in the first place. They're all petroleum-based anyway. And I know that they were working on, and I don't know if this, they were working on plastic bags made from cornstarch. Do you guys remember that uh, more biodegradable? And I don't know whatever happened to that project. But anyway, plastic bags uh, are by the middle of 2024 in Colorado. I'm not sure about Wyoming. They have more common sense than we do here in Colorado in some of these areas. So Wyoming's probably fine with plastic bags. But I think by the middle of July 1st, 2024, they have to be gone entirely. I think it's sort of optional now. Uh, That's why Safeway has them for 10 cents a bag and Walmart got rid of them entirely. But anyway, uh, plastic bags, how how do you pick up your dog poop? What are we going to do now from now on? And I predict, I predict there'll be more dog poop around because there's less plastic bags around. That's just an unintended consequence. Don't want to alarm anybody. But I use them for all kinds of things. They're really very handy, and I don't see why they're a huge problem. You stick them back in the ground, cover them up, and just have a nice day. But anyway, plastic bags uh, are... Uh, are going away and i think the styrofoam containers for restaurants they're going to uh, are they gone now matt or are they going away, they're going away. yeah They've yeah gone back to cardboard. cardboard yeah which which lets the grease drip through on your car seat and everything else yeah yeah anyway yep everybody's got a, a, a everybody wants to save the world uh and but they never ask then what or you know unintended consequences uh, be damned right anyway so you know I've, I've been venting too much today it's not a good thing to vent all the time on a talk radio show uh let's see 719-473-1240 here's a an email from gary um this is interesting what's the rationale gary wants to know for replacing the smoke detectors when they get older well that's a good question and the the guideline now is uh, smoke detectors when they get to be 10 years old they should be replaced they just get less sensitive as they get older uh they get cobwebs inside and dust particles that accumulate over the years so they get the theory is they get less responsive as they get older so you can most smoke detectors you can look up either the serial number or there'll be a date stamp on the back to see if they're 10 years old or not um it, i see that this is this following paragraph in my discussion here is something i see a lot i don't want you to do this if you have a if you have a hardwired smoke detector wired into the house electrical systems uh, don't even think about replacing with a battery only type i know it's tempting they're easier to install but it's not allowed uh it's, it's just not allowed to replace a wired house electrical smoke detector with a battery powered you just can't do that so like for like but you got to replace them when they get to be 10 years old um so one of the other ways you can tell and i see this a lot is if your smoke detector is turned yellow that means it's really old and it used to be white and now it's yellow and that means it's probably 20 years old or even older i see smoke detectors from the late 70s and early 80s all over the place uh so they need to be replaced as they get older. They just get less sensitive and less responsive because they get full of stuff, dust and uh, and other dirt from inside the inside the house. So let's see, uh, what else do we? Oh, so and I also wanted to make sure you knew that there are now more sophisticated kinds of smoke detectors uh, that have a dual technology now, both ionization and and um uh, photocell so you want to get the dual technology 
smoke detectors. Uh, Jeff, on line one, we've only got about a minute. What's going on, Jeff? Hey, Ken. How you doing, sir? Good. Thank you. Hey, I'll be quick. Hey, I heard you talking about the plastic bags, and I wasn't sure if you were aware, but it, this is a two-step process, the 10 cents. That's yeah. going to go away, too, because I, and I just understood um, by July 1st, plastic bags in Colorado are going away altogether. Is it July 1st, 2024, though, Jeff, maybe? Or is it 2023? But it, it could be 23 it could be 24 yeah, anyway yeah so no, this 10 cents is just a, is a phase down huh yes yes i didn't know if you were aware of that or not but no i was not thank you for calling and by the way i looked at amazon you can go buy you know the bags you get a small businesses say thank you on them the plastic bags you can buy a hundred yeah. of those for eight or nine dollars so if you want plastic bags to pick up the dog do you can you can still find them just not at the grocery right. store so Thanks for that right. update, Jeff. All kinds of all kinds of small businesses just giving them away just to get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, so they don't have to deal with the tax and everything else. But anyway, that's, yeah. I probably shouldn't have said that. But no, <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I, I don't, I don't blame them. You know, you and I'll be able to sleep better at night knowing plastic bags are gone. It's one of the world's biggest issues right now. Yeah. Hello. Okay. But I still say there'll be more dog poop around. I just predict that as an unintended consequence. Thanks, Jeff, for your totally for your call. And we'll be uh, back after the news right here on Around the House. 719-473-1240. Give us a call. See you at six minutes after the hour, right after the news. Six minutes after the hour on the Around the House uh, program, and we're glad you're with us. 473-1240, 719-473-1240. We've had a big discussion here during the news about the plastic bag gate. Can we call it that? Plastic bag gate. Um, Matt said he went to a local Walmart, and uh, they, they he brought his own plastic bag. They would not let him use his own plastic bags to bag his groceries, which is borderline insane i thought you know we were talking about the walmart stores are owned by the walton family which are they're kind of republican conservative arkansas you know kind of non-insane people but that's insane that you can't bring your own plastic bag in that you got at walmart in the first place until they're gone yeah i'm gonna try that i'm gonna challenge them a little bit what do they care what you put your stuff in because you can buy plastic bags on amazon why can't you bring those in what it, it, it's 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 insane it is insane uh the you give power to people that don't deserve it and shouldn't have it and they go insane and that's what's going on right now oh my gosh how crazy the world's become anyway back to reality here we'd love to talk to you if you want to check in with us we have live email at aroundthehouse.com and 719-473-1240 i didn't finish the thought on um i didn't finish the thought on smoke detectors uh, uh, because we had an email from gary about replacing older smoke detectors so i i think i did go over the you need to replace like for like uh if you have a a wired smoke detector system in your house you need to replace it with a, a wired system you can't uh you can't um 
use a battery only type if your smoke detectors are actually wired into the uh, to the house electrical system. So like for like, for sure. Just make sure you use the same brand so the you can re- plug the new smoke detector into the old uh, outlet or a little little harness uh, inside the the box where the smoke detector is. And so like for like, same brand for same brand is is a good idea. And I wanted I, I hit this and I want to hit it a little harder here. Uh, when smoke detectors came along, when smoke detectors came along uh, in the uh, 70s, uh, we they were ionization type, which had little radioactive uh, uh, elements inside that would uh, uh, that would react to smoke particles. And um, uh, the the ionization type have been with us now for 45 years or whatever, but. There are new dual technology kinds of smoke detectors uh, now that have the ionization type, which has always been with us, as I say, and the little light bulb, the photocell type. So we get both kinds of protection because there are two kinds, basically, of house fires. Fires that flare up really quickly, and the ionization detector is good for that, the old-fashioned one. But fires that smolder, like the old thing about dropping a cigarette in an easy chair, that kind of thing. Smoldering fires are the kinds that are the, the, the kind of fires that uh, kill people because they get overcome with smoke, that kind of thing. So they don't start quickly, but they smolder and they burn and they produce small amounts of smoke with, without a lot of flare-ups. And so the photocell detectors which now are in in this dual detector technology, detect that more dangerous kind of smoldering fire. So in the dual technology uh, detectors, uh, you get both the ionization and the photocell. Uh, so look for dual technology, about 30 bucks or so uh, on uh, online. Uh, let's see here. Oh, and, and we were talking about smoke detectors when they're 10 years old should be replaced. Smoke detectors are one thing, but carbon monoxide detectors, of course, are the other. And carbon monoxide detectors should be replaced every seven years. I don't know if you knew that or not. So you need to look for a date on your carbon monoxide detector because they the, the, detector, the detection technology does tend to age and get less sensitive also as time uh, as time goes on so i hope that's helpful to you who was our emailer there again it was uh gary 719-473-1240 is our telephone number and we would like to talk to you if you are if you want to check in with us here and live email at around the house dot dot com cal uh this is interesting and it's i don't want to get this too technical get off into the weeds here but this is something that's pretty important and you may not be aware of it uh that's that's a concept called floating walls cal says my basement's finished they forgot to put in floating walls now the sheetrock's buckling can i fix this myself who do I call? Uh, is it easy to do or not? Yeah, the floating wall system has been around now for, I don't know, 40 years plus. It's the way we frame the basement walls. The basement walls, if we if, if they're just if they just sit on the concrete and the concrete moves, then the walls start to buckle, as Cal says. So when we frame a basement wall with a floating wall, we put a little space between the the two bottom boards and so that space allows the basement floor to move around and heave and buckle a little bit without affecting the actual uh, wall itself the sheetrock so 
uh, you can identify a floating wall easily because you look down at the floor level and there's a board sitting on the floor and then there's a space and a board sitting above it, uh, two by fours, and that's a floating wall. It's very important in all basements that the floating wall framing system uh, be used. It's a big deal. So Cal, like Cal says, if you don't do it and you get movement, then you get buckling and it's an issue. So uh, if you're going to finish your basement, make sure the contractor does floating walls and make sure, and he'll know what you're talking about. They may try to save money, but that's not, those aren't savings that you want to uh, get involved in because you, floating walls are vital to protect the structural integrity of your house. Let's see, line one, Steve, you're on the air on the Around the House program. Hello there. Good afternoon, Commander Cannon. Hope you're having a great new year. I am so far. It's only six, seven days old, so we're, we'll see, I guess. <laughs> anyway. Did you make it down to Phoenix for uh, New Year's? Or I did get down there, and it was gray and uh, rainy and drizzly every day. Well, good. Just a couple quick facts. No sunshine in Phoenix this time, but that's okay. I saw the kids and grandkids. What's going on? Well, that's good. On the plastic bag fee tax of 10 cents a bag, you know, doing a little research on it, the bags cost one penny. To right. produce. Yeah. It's built into the cost of goods. They're selling them for 10. And I come to find out that the municipality that they're sold in gets 60% of that 10x, and 40% goes to the merchant. So I had this wild idea. You know, that's 10x. Not too many companies make 1,000% on whatever they sell, particularly grocery stores. You know, their margins are very thin. Very thin, yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking, uh, as a potential problem solving to the homeless, get a bunch of plastic bags and have them sell those things outside of grocery stores and convenience stores <laughs> and undercut that thing damn well might might be a possible viable solution. Plastic bags for charity, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I tell you, the thing is nuts to me. But anyway, what it's going to call on to, I'm in the process, um, as I think we've talked about, we had a major, major house rehab seven years ago after a lightning fire. So we had a smoke detector that was chirping the three chirps, so I took it down. And, you know, you've talked about this quite a bit. It turns out, even though I'd asked the contractor, who is a home builder, don't put combination fire CO up on the ceiling. Well, he did anyway. So it's a first alert, so I go to Lowe's. And I'm going to just replace it with the smoke detector because I don't think that thing chirping, number one, like you've mentioned, CO is low level. Yeah. So we've got CO detectors down, you know, a couple feet above floor. But I just don't get that stuff, you know? Well, I, I've been an advocate for years of, of, of splitting those. When the builders put a combination smoke detector and carbon dioxide detector on the ceiling, they fulfill the law, the rules, okay? But, Correct. But I like to detect carbon monoxide low or you're sleeping. You've heard me say this before. And smoke Absolutely. is lighter than air, goes up to the ceiling. So I like to split them. I think you've done the right thing. I, I don't. If you've got carbon monoxide detectors plugged in low down near the floor, uh, you're golden. And then the smoke detectors up high. I think you've done the right thing. Yeah, I like. There's a, and you may have one of these. It's called the Nighthawk carbon monoxide detector. These are first alert, but the CO detectors are Nighthawk. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and and I do like I do like the Nighthawk 
uh, and I have the CO detectors in my house because it has a, a readout of the history of how high the carbon monoxide has been. The fire department is like that. And um, just easy to read and uh, very trouble-free. Just plug them in somewhere down near the floor. Because the theory is when you're sleeping, the, the heat comes out of the floor and goes across the floor and back to the furnace. And so when your head's down low to the floor, you are vulnerable to, uh, to carbon monoxide. So well done. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I, I think I think CO detectors in conjunction with a smoke alarm mounted up high, you're going to be unconscious or dead by the time that thing goes off for CO. Yeah, because carbon monoxide, by the time it gets up to the ceiling, yeah, you might be in real, real trouble. Carbon monoxide is just is pretty much the same molecular weight as, as the same volume of air, just a little bit. Uh, I think it's just a little bit lighter uh, than air, but it just kind of floats around. But you're right. There's no reason for it to get up high quickly. And if it's saturating the lower levels of the house where you're asleep, uh, you could have uh, have a real problem. Yep, I agree. Last quick question, and we may have touched on this before, but, you know, with our 2C here, they are running around and they're doing sidewalk removal, curb gutter, and they're pouring new concrete in the middle of the winter here. Yeah, I know. So I, I, asked, know. I asked this guy, the super, by the way, we live on a, one of the only two accesses into our subdivision. So our place was blocked off for quite some time. Okay, now it's open. But the next four, five, six corners are all blocked off. I asked the supervisor, I said, what's the deal here in pouring concrete when you've got nighttime temps, 15, maybe down to even minus five? Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, no problem. You know, if it cracks. We'll come back and do it again. Well, that's a contractor deal, full job employment thing. But I'm going, to me, this does not make sense because even with blankets, when you're talking about those temps, I think concrete will crack. What do you? What are your opinions? I agree. Well, it, it freezes. The problem, they can put uh, calcium compounds in to keep the... Uh, keep it from freezing and and give it a little protection. It's the second night onward. The first day, of course, the chemical reaction keeps it warm as the concrete is setting. But it's that second night on for a couple of weeks. You need to keep the blankets on, and this is not foolproof, for at least a week. And I don't know if they're doing that or not. No, but uh, it's it's not it's not a good time to pour concrete until if the temperatures are going to be freezing overnight. You should just not do it. But everybody does it because well, you know, progress is progress, correct. right? Yeah, you're entirely correct. Uh, for about a day, you've got an exothermic reaction in the concrete, which right. will keep it warm. Yeah, yeah. And even with blankets, so you get day two, day three. With temperatures 15 to minus 5, I don't think that's going to end well. No, because what happens is the blanket gets cold and then the concrete. Because with insulation exactly. is only as good as the heat source on the other side of it. You see what I'm saying? And, and uh, th- those insulating blankets are black, and that's intentional to absorb the sunlight. Okay? Uh, uh, and to keep them warm. But when it's, fi- when it's 9 degrees and below zero overnight, it's not going to work. You're right. Yeah, these blankets are white. Can you believe that? Oh, they are. Okay, wonderful. Well, I've never, I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen white blankets, huh? Well, listen. Either. When you're spending the taxpayers' money, um, it's not a big deal, right? One way or the other. Yeah. You're gonna come back and do it again. I know it. Yeah, I know. Take thank care, you, my thanks, Steve, for your Bye-bye. call. We need a break, don't we, uh, Chris? Okay, let's take a quick break. Seven one nine four seven three twelve forty. We'll be right back, right here on Around the House. Things break around the house 
That's why there's the Around the House program with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. It's 24 minutes after the hour on the Around the House program. We're late on that break, but that's just my fault. Uh, Steve and I had a nice chat and that's fine uh we'd love to talk to you if you want to check in with us and live email at aroundthehouse.com if you've had a similar plastic bag experiences as matt in the control room has had uh, uh, he didn't have them in the control room is actually at walmart but anyway uh where they wouldn't let you bag your own stuff in plastic bags um i i, I, I there's something wrong in that store because if you can bring in cloth bags why can't you bring in plastic bags, uh, polyester bags, bags made of an old sheep's stomach? What do you care what kind of bag you put your stuff in? So I think they're I think they're carrying it a little too one one step too far, which is kind of normal if you've had some issues with plastic bags in grocery stores. Uh, oh boy, we get we get sidetracked in all this crazy stuff, don't we, in our culture? And uh, in the meantime. As they say in the death of a salesman, the woods are burning, right? Um, here's a quickie, because I've covered this before in the last month or so. Michael says, uh, the fresh food part is freezing in uh, in my garage refrigerator. Uh, and uh, that's kind of the opposite of what we've talked about uh, before. Uh, uh, but to stabilize the fresh food and the frozen food in a garage refrigerator, I think uh, it's... Um, uh, it's a matter of, of of kind of moderating the temperatures inside. Now, in your case, usually the complaint I get is that the frozen food is soft, the ice cream soft because the refrigerator isn't running. In which case, you want to put a a, a light bulb in the fresh food side to kind of stabilize uh, the temperatures. Uh, but uh, I would, if you're uh, if you're fresh food part of your garage fridge is freezing it's too cold so i would rebalance the controls make sure that there's more air going into the freezer side than the fresh food side uh and uh but but i still think uh because the temperatures get so low in our garages i for the first time uh during that was it two three weeks ago i guess we had those minus uh, below zero temperatures my Garage temperature was like 38. I'd never seen it below 40 before, so that was a, a eye opener for uh, for me. So this winter has been a you know high low high low up down up down kind of temperature wise thing. So the garage refrigerators, I would put that light bulb in the fresh food side to kind of stabilize everything, Michael. Then readjust your controls to send more air to the freezer and see if that kind of settles things down. What the light bulb will do is it'll prevent that fresh food side from freezing, and it'll also stabilize the freezer side. The way you do that, real quick, is to go to a home center and buy a clamp-on trouble light. You know, you can find them uh, like a workbench light with a big uh, spring-loaded clamp on it, and they usually have a great big silver-colored reflector a dome reflector just unscrew that and throw it away and that'll allow you to clamp that light bulb socket onto a, uh, a shelf in your uh, refrigerator in your garage screw in a small wattage light bulb 20 watts 25 watts is is fine just a little constant heat in that refrigerator really think uh, makes things stabilize and the refrigerator opposite operates normally you leave it on 24 7 until spring uh and then you know you're all set for another another year but that's kind of the story here rebalance your controls 
send in your case more air to the freezer side and less to the fresh food side put that light bulb in there i think you'll really will appreciate it speaking of refrigerators gary says he has water collecting in the bottom crispers of his refrigerator and that's usually a frost free refrigerator plug up kind of thing you know uh and i haven't talked about this for a long time when a remember when you were a little kid, your your mom would have to defrost the refrigerator. Now you two in there might be too young for this, but we would get the the freezer side of a refrigerator would get covered in frost, and you got to get rid of the frost because frost is an insulator. And so, if you want the refrigerator to operate normally, you got to melt that frost uh, and throw it away. You know, just open the door and turn the refrigerator off and scrape out the the melted frost and that's a manual defrost right well frost-free refrigerators which have been around now for geez i don't know 50 years or so something like that at least uh they def- they still defrost because we still get frost buildup but they defrost automatically they defrost in parts of the refrigerator you can't see well when they defrost in the freezer side you get melting water that has to go somewhere and there's a drain system in the back of the freezer compartment in your refrigerator that gets the water out of the out of the uh, freezer section and down through a drain under the refrigerator to be evaporated in that air from the fan that which blows over a tray okay that's so that's basically what's going on and if you if as gary if you notice water in the bottom of your freezer compartment it's probably because that defrost drain has gotten plugged up with chunks of uh, broccoli or uh, ice cube, you know, slivers of ice or pieces of bread or that anything can plug it up. So you got to go in there and and you have to pull out uh, the drawers and the shelves and things. So you open up the back of that and you may there may be a plastic back there that has some Phillips screws and you got to undo the plastic back and you'll see the hole there a drain hole in the back of the freezer compartment get yourself a warm turkey baster with warm water and soapy water in it and blast down through that hole to get all that junk out of there uh and that will unblock that hole whatever's plugging it up and then while you're doing all this go underneath pull off that kick plate on the bottom of your refrigerator and you'll see that tray in there pull that out and clean that all up because it'll be full of dust and crud and and so on and the, the soapy water from your turkey baster so that's kind of the story it's a plugged up hole for the defrost uh liquid to uh, be released out of the freezer that's what's uh, that's what's going on yeah refrigerators get the, the fan runs almost 24 7 so it sucks a lot of dust and dirt into the back of the refrigerator so once in a while not every year, but every two or three years, you need to get back there with a shop vac and clean out that all that infrastructure in the bottom of your uh, and the back of your refrigerator just to make sure everything's nice and clean back there. And uh, so that this could be part of that whole spring house cleaning in the refrigerator kind of thing to make sure it operates properly. But that's that, that's what it means. Automatic defrosting produces water just like your mother used to do when she did it by hand, only it has to have some place. Uh, someplace to go. 719-473-1240 is our contact line. We'll be right back after these messages right here on Around the House. 
Well, I had Ed, who uh, is the uh, owner, the head dude over there at the Above the Rest Garage Door Company, come to my house and check out my door. It turns out it was fine. Lubricated it a little, sprayed a little lubricant in and adjusted the nuts and bolts. Just checked everything, and it was in great shape. And I signed up for that premier membership program at Above the Rest. I'd like you to also. It's amazingly inexpensive. But what it means is every six months, they'll come to your house and do a tune-up, just like they did at my house, tighten nuts and bolts, adjust the springs if they need to, and all that to make sure your door is operating as it was designed but most importantly operating safely and you won't get stuck in a home some morning on a cold winter morning because your door just doesn't want to go up so i want you to sign up for this give a call at 719-499-0491 you'll be surprised how inexpensive this protection will be twice a year they'll come to your house your garage door will thank you for it so call above the rest 719-499-0491 and tell them ken moon sent you above the rest Fix-It videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon walk you through it on Around the House. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Don't forget the podcast of the program. Uh, Chris will, within a couple hours after we go off the air, put the podcast in the system. We have been going back now uh, six months to the first part of July. First week end in July, as I remember. At the 4th of July weekend, I think, right in there. Yeah. So anyway, they're, they're, they're sitting there for you at the KRDR site, or you can go to my website, aroundthehouse.com, click on Listen to Podcasts. It'll take you to this same place. We're getting a lot of hits on our podcast. We appreciate that. It's kind of, you know, I'm an old terrestrial radio guy from the old, old days, but podcasting is becoming a huge part of broadcasting, both radio and TV, and and we're grateful that you are, are going and picking up these podcasts of the program. So It'll be right there. for if you, By the way, if you're out of town and want to listen live to the program, there's also a button, a uh, little icon on my site for that. Also, it'll you can listen live to wherever you happen to be uh, on the, uh, on the uh, planet, as they say. Anyway, so thank you for checking out those podcasts. Stan says, my clothes dryer shuts off for no obvious reason. You can't predict when or with how many clothes. What's causing this? Well... Uh, the first thing it obvious is to check your dryer vent. Uh, I'll bet there's a clump of lint caught someplace uh, that uh, uh, maybe is causing you issues. Dryers have an overheat cutoff switch. All dryers do. It's a it's an emergency cutoff that senses if there's a temperature spike inside, uh, it'll shut it off before you know it catches on fire. Uh, usually, it indicates restricted airflow. Uh, and uh, that, so you need to kind of check out the dryer vent. Now you see why uh, with this potential for overheating, which can happen, I recommend metal dryer vents, not fabric like some people kind of cheat with, these little flimsy little fabric dryer vent extensions. Use a flexible aluminum connector between the dryer uh, and the vent in, in the wall. Metal, You want metal all the way. Uh, eliminate as many uh, turns as you can. Uh, but uh, I would check out the lint usually accumulates on on either end of the dryer at the dryer end of course right behind the dryer and going into the wall check that out I bet there's a big fist sized bunch of lint in there and also the other end where the uh, the warm moist air escapes from the house through the dryer vent on the side of the house that's another place where lint tends to accumulate so you check both ends and if it's been a while, Stan, since you've cleaned your dryer vent, or maybe you've never cleaned it, this is a good time to think about doing that. And it's a 
process that's uh, that's fairly straightforward. Uh, you need a helper for this. Um, you, you you go outside and make sure it's a nice warmish day, which is going to be this weekend. Uh, it's going to be you know about fifty ish or something like that. Uh, you go outside and take the dryer vent cap, unscrew it. Uh, this should be four screws to hold it in place. You take that off the outside of the house. So you can look right down that pipe. And then you go inside and pull the dryer out away from the wall. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so you expose that dryer vent where it goes into the wall. And then you blast air through there. Get yourself a, 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 a leaf blower. Get one, not a battery power, one that you plug in because that's where you get the high velocity air from. And uh, and just blow bursts of air through that dryer vent. It'll blow lint right out the, that hole. You might want a, a helper there with a cardboard box or some kind of shroud or something to catch the lint before it goes all over the yard. But that way, you'll blast all that lint out of that system, and uh, that that you'll go a long ways uh, towards preventing this overheating that you're talking about. Also, the inside of the dryer, and this is uh, something that most people don't know about, it has places to accumulate lint. Uh, as the airflow goes uh, through that filter and down under the dryer and through through the various twists and turns of the ducts underneath the dryer, you can get lint accumulating in there also. That's fairly easy. You can go on YouTube and look at a video of how to take your dryer. Usually, you just have to ease some Phillips screws and ease undo three or four Phillips screws and then the front part of the dryer will ease gently away from the from the drum and you can see down in there with a flashlight and blow all that lint out of there you'll you'll see clumps and under there and then you have a nice squeaky clean dryer and dryer vent system and you won't get this overheating you're you're talking about so uh you need to check out your dryer vent about oh, once a year or so especially if you have a newer home and your dryer vent goes vertically up through the roof, I mean that's the new rules about dryer vents mean that builders uh, put vertical dryer vents in that go that go straight up uh, uh, through the roof, and they, because of gravity, tend to accumulate lint more quickly than regular dryer vents do. So you want to check those out a little more often too. So uh, overheating is normal; it's your dryer protecting you from a fire. But you got to figure out why it's happening. Now, another reason can be that the uh, dryer, um, maybe there's something wrong with the blower in the dryer that maybe the uh, it's not spinning fast enough. Maybe the, the blower itself is on the fritz. I, you know, there may be something else going on. But the most likely culprit is, that, uh, is the lint buildup in the uh, exhaust system. And one more pitch, you know, dryer vents must be, uh, go directly outside, not into a crawl space, not into a bucket, not into the garage, directly outside uh, to uh, maximize the efficiency uh, and minimize the expense of drying your clothes. 719-473-1240 is the phone number. Carol says, I'm buying a brand new townhome. Do you recommend I get it inspected? Um, and also a secondary question, there's no louver door to the furnace room. Is that okay? Well, if you if you're a first time buyer, especially get an inspection done. Now you know people that have owned eight or ten houses, maybe people my age. You know sometimes you can look the house over yourself. But I, you know I, I I'm a home inspector sort of part time now, so I have a I have a flea in this circus as they say. So I'm I'm a strong advocate of getting inspections anyway. But especially if you're a young or first time buyer, get an inspection on the property uh, and. Um, 
you say it's a oh you, you, i'm sorry you did say brand new townhome okay um so that is an, another implication there's a builder involved here you might have to get uh, the builder's permission or you probably will to get an inspection done before closing but if you want a little peace of mind yeah i would i would get the uh, townhome inspected the uh the furnace room no louver door uh is probably fine um and, and because the builder is obviously getting air from someplace else you're not most older homes have a louver door on the furnace room because you're pulling air from inside the house to satisfy the water heater in the furnace but sometimes builders will pull that air from someplace else from a crawl space or even down through the attic is legal uh directly from the outside is legal all that so the fact is no louver door there doesn't mean a thing other than they're getting it from someplace from someplace else so yeah, you, I, I missed that when I read this at the opening. Brand new townhome. You have the builder's warranty as a protection, of course. Carol, you also have the the assurance of the building permit process. The inspectors from the city have come out and look at it. But if you're, if you're uneasy, if you sense the builder has been too big a hurry or taken some shortcuts or something, a home inspector can go through there and give you some peace of mind. And, mo- and if the builder fights you on that, I'd want to know why. Now, you're going to have to accommodate his schedule because between the finishing of the townhome and the closing might be a very small, short, narrow window. But uh, a builder uh, with, uh, you know, with integrity and with a good track record and so on, he will um, um, be glad to allow you to, to have an inspector take a look. Why not? Makes him look better anyway. 719-473-1240 is the phone number. We'll be back with more email and phone calls right after this, right here on Around the House. Well, if you've taken a look at your natural gas bill lately, you probably have, and it's going nowhere but up, right? So if you have old windows at your house, I want you to call Dutch's Home Improvement. And, you know, those ugly old windows, steel, aluminum, wood from years ago you got to replace those because they leak air and they're just not energy efficient dutch's carries only the best brands of energy efficient vinyl windows to save you money at not just the winter but the summer if you have air conditioning it'll save you money then too so give them a call 719-392-1369 i've met gary of course from dutch's and i'm impressed with his commitment to old-fashioned customer service they've been around for a long time use the best installers in town insist customer service is their highest priority they have a good reputation online and otherwise and i know you'll join in uh, the testimonies of how much you like dutch's home improvement so give them a call 719-392-1369 get some new windows on your house or go to dutcheshomeimprovement.com got a fix it problem at your house ken moon is here to help give him a call now at 719-473-1240 that's 719-473-1240 Welcome back. It's 11 minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. Uh, Chris just gave me the podcast numbers for this show, and I'm so gratified they're really high, and and, um, uh, I'm setting all kinds of records in the building here at the station, which is kind of neat, and I'm really glad you like the podcast, and that's that's great. So we'll uh, make sure that you... uh, uh, that we keep them coming, as you, as I indicated, within a couple hours uh, after we go off the air, Chris will put up the podcast from today, and uh, I'm just so glad that you guys are taking advantage of that. It's very flattering. I appreciate it very much. Roger says, I have a 22 by 36 inch skylight in the master bathroom, which leaks condensation all the time. 
Is there anything we can do, or do we have to eliminate the skylight altogether? Um, there, there is a trick here, and I, I've seen this before. Uh, you need to isolate that skylight from the bathroom itself. What's going on here, of course, is that when you go in there, maybe you and the wife, uh, uh, you know, take a shower. Uh, each of you take a shower, and that's twenty minutes or so worth of moist air getting in that bathroom that just gets up there to that cold skylight and drips water all over the place so the thing to do is to isolate it uh from the rest of the room and you can do that by um, installing kind of an airlock if you will this is easy to do you simply a picture frame uh some wood casing you can get decorative you know pre-stained or pre-painted casing at the at the home center and you make a picture frame around the ceiling where, the, you know, there's a chute. The skylight's up high on the roof. There's a chute that comes down, and there's a hole in the bathroom ceiling. You picture frame around that and then drop some pa- plastic panels in there. And that really does a great job in eliminating this. You still get the light shining through those. You know, you can use, uh, like in an office building, you know, those, uh, those what they call troffer lights. Those are the lights that have a... A kind of a crystal or ice ice crinkle kind of look or just plain white plastic that they're translucent they let light shine through uh but they uh, you can't see the bulbs and all that you know all that so you just find some of those some of those troffer light lenses they're called they're just nothing but a uh, plastic sheets that allow light to come through them because they're translucent and you just lay them in that picture frame around the hole so you look up at the bathroom ceiling and you see a, a lit a backlit panel there from the skylight but there'll be no water dripping because the vapor from the bathroom doesn't get up in the chute of the skylight to condense up there i think you see what i mean it's it's a little bit like those tubular skylights which we've talked about before in other words you see the light from the skylight but you don't see the actual skylight itself which is sitting on the roof so you can you can create sort of an airlock between the bathroom environment and the skylight it works pretty well it's a little you know you might want to hire a carpenter to do that but it does it does the job uh, no doubt about it to isolate the skylight from that moist bathroom uh, air this is also another phenomenon that i've gotten emails about the bath fan is dripping water down into the bathroom uh, in the this time of year in the winter time and that's because there's condensed water up in that bathroom duct that goes through the attic and it dribbles back down uh, into the bathroom and that that's an easy fix also easy if you want to climb in your attic that's uh, you you have to do that but you can you can create a flat spot in that the, the, there's a three inch duct that comes out of the bathroom and goes up and blows the air outdoors you can create a flat spot in there which makes a little trap for the water so it'll sit there above the bathroom ceiling and evaporate what's going on in that case you have a straight slope shot from the uh, all the way up to the roof from the from the bath fan so that water is dribbling down there but you create a little trap a little flat spot in the duct up in the attic and it traps the water and evaporates and that's no big deal uh at all speaking of freezing Dave says, uh, I have icicles on the north side gutters. That's very typical uh, this time of year. Is this the same uh, as ice dams? Well, not necessarily. They can go hand in hand. Ice dams are, are more of the part uh, above the gutters you can't really see. It's a, it's a 
it's a it's a chunk of ice that accumulates on the backside of the gutters that gets up under the shingles now there can be icicles associated with it or not you can sometimes you can just have icicles by themselves in which case you can you know before they hurt somebody you want to knock them off with a broom or something but ice dams are more complicated because uh that's uh, a, a very vulnerable part the roof shingles if the ice creeps underneath the shingles then you know that can be a real issue you can get leaks into the house and just kind of a mess uh so um one of the things you can do and this is a north side phenomenon because you don't get any sunlight there in the winter in the winter time uh you can use that heat cable we've talked about so much uh you can get heat heat cable is uh, electrical that comes on about 37 degrees fahrenheit or below that gets ahead of the ice dams and the icicles and melts that uh, melts that potential ice into water and um, it just sort of uh, goes away so you can put the heat cable uh, you're in a zigzag fashion on top of the roof shingles that's really the best way to do that or you can lay it into the gutters or do a combination of both uh, and plug it in leave it plugged in year round it can't hurt because in the summertime it won't come on and uh, because there's no reason you know it's not below 37 so it won't come on anyway so that's the best way to handle uh, ice dams and icicles. But if it's just icicles you have, uh, you knock them off with a broom. But just keep an eye out for ice dams because they can cause a lot of a lot of damage. And uh, it, it's just something. As a lot of the time, it, the here's the thing: the attic, even on cold days, is is warmer than the outside air temperature. Because there's heat from inside the house, it kind of leaks into the attic, if you will. And because that temperature is warmer, that facilitates the creation of ice dams. You get that freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw along the gutters, and, and uh, on th- there's your ice dams. And, and, and it, as, as I say, it can lead to icicles. So keep an eye out. You need to get on a stepladder. Be careful and look there for, for a, a, a formation of ice on the backside of the gutters along the edge of the roof. Now, if you don't have any drip flashing, drip flashing is a, is a big deal because drip flashing is a Z-shaped metal flashing that you stick under the shingles, which kicks the water out and away from the shingles on the edge of the house. That can, uh, that can help uh, retard ice dams uh, and icicles also. Speaking of freezing, finally, my pipes along the north wall and the half bath and the laundry keep freezing. Isn't it against the code to put pipes on the outside wall, asks Bonnie. Not necessarily, uh, but they should be put on the house side of the wall insulation. So you need to maybe cut a little viewing hole in your sheetrock to see what's going on in there. If the pipes are uh, on the outside of the insulation where it's really cold, then you gotta you got to change that. you got to remove the sheetrock and put them in a better uh, better location you can also as we talked about earlier you can cut a little a little uh, hole in there to allow some warm room air up into those uh, wall cavities cut a hole and put a, a grill over it that can sometimes help behind the washer uh, behind the toilet or lavatory uh, and uh, th- that'll allow warm room air to sneak up uh, from from the heat vents and get inside that wall cavity that's much better f- uh, fix than trying to pull the sheetrock off and redo the insulation but you gotta uh, you can you can just cut a little viewing hole in there and 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 see what's going on which side of the insulation the pipes are on and get a little warm air in there just cutting that hole and putting a grill on it so i hope that's helpful because uh freezing pipes inside a wall not a lot of fun and also they can crack and burst and then you got a flood and that's no good either 
Okay, that's all she wrote for today. Chris Moyer, thank you. And uh, Matt McKinley, we'll see you all next time. Don't forget the podcast. Sometimes, same station next week, right here on Around the House. Have a good week and God bless. We'll see you next week.